Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith. Dr. Smith has begun the first installment of the 30 Essentials, broken up in three months. We're inside of month one, the 10 beliefs. And our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make him known is our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1030 Church Service begins right now. And you can always catch us online on YouTube, Facebook, or on our podcast that's aired on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe and like all three. This week, Pastor Martin delivers the word. Follow along with us in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. Let's listen as Pastor Martin dives deeper into the subject. We thank God this month. The pa Pastor Smith has, has, has charted a course for us for the month of July. Can I get a witness? And as the song declared, you should be a witness. Because if you have something to speak of that God has done, he is worthy of that praise. Now, it's important because we as believers and those that come into a relationship with God, they have the blessing and the benefit of praise and worship. So when we praise God, we praise him with understanding. The Bible says that everything that has breath has the ability to praise him. But we having come into relationship with God, we understand why it's necessary to praise him. And so we should be a witness and to declare of his goodness and of his grace. I'm going to invite you into the Word of God today. I don't want to delay the time because we have much to cover this morning, and we want to position you uh, to get what you need and get out into your activities of the day. Amen? So if you would grab your Bibles briefly and turn to the Gospel of St. Luke, the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 24. We're going to begin our reading at verse 44. And then we'll read down to verse 49. That will give us context today. That's St. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. Yes, and if you don't mind standing as we give honor to the word of God and the reading of the word of God. If you're at home, push the sheets back, slip over to the side of the bed, slip into your house shoes and stand on up. And let us worship, let's, let's honor God no matter where we are. Here we are, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might com comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for, for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, 
but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Our sermon title today is A Soul-Saving Message. Our series is Can I Get a Witness? And we're compelled today to take the soul-saving message of Christ as he instructed us to do. The beauty and the blessing of being able to walk in relationship with Jesus Christ is that we can actively engage with him on a daily basis as desired of him, as he desired of us when he created the opportunity for us to come into relationship. The gospel message is one in which as we consider what it means to tell the message of Christ or to speak of his goodness, it's important for us to recognize that in the midst of our daily activity, there will be opportunities in which we are going to be called upon to be a witness. The gospel message is the power of God unto salvation. It is effectual only as it is proclaimed, as it is heard, because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, as it is understood, which is why we expound upon Scripture, and then as it's accepted. Having accepted this message with all of our hearts, every born-again believer in Jesus Christ, we have been commissioned by him to live as witnesses. The blessing is that there's a certain joy that comes with sharing good news. That when we have an opportunity to share good news, we get excited. Now, I want you to take for a moment, and I want you to stop for a moment and think. Think back to uh, a time where you had something good you wanted to share. Or something good you wanted to show off. You got it in mind? Think for a moment, now that you have it. Now remember back to that time how you were waiting and anticipating an opportunity to let it be known. One of the things that uh, my wife and I have as a hobby together, and our children have come into this, uh, we do this together, we, we enjoy trying new restaurants. So one thing that has afforded us a great opportunity being new to this area is, is being able to, to hear about a, a place and then seek it out to go and, and, and indulge. But one thing that I've discovered that is that, that when we go and experience something like a new restaurant, we can't wait to tell somebody else, to let someone else know that there is a restaurant and the food is good and that ultimately we want them to be uh, 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 enlightened on this new thing. That is the gospel message. The good news of Jesus Christ coming into the world is good news. The reality is, is that all of us have been called to once we come into that place of understanding that it is good news to treat it as such. 
because it is human nature for us to want to share something good. It's, our, it's in our nature to want, it to want to express to others something good. Now, today's message, I'm going to uh, take a different approach. I'm going to have three focuses. And within those three focuses, I will make some notes that will ultimately be points that you can write down and jot down. But there's going to be three focuses we're going to focus on today. One will be Christ, the messenger, and his message. Christ, the messenger, and his witnesses. And Christ, his witnesses, and his message. So we're going to focus on Christ, the messenger, and his message. Christ, the messenger, and his, his witnesses. And then we're going to direct our attention to, to close out today on the witnesses. So let's look at this first focus. Look at verse number 44 and 45 here in this 24th chapter of Luke. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So he says, all the things that have been written about me, he was expounding and helping them to understand that they had, in order for them to be witnesses, they needed to know, know what the message was. And one thing about it was they were going to need to know what type of message it was. It was a message of good news. So here's the thing, the first note for today, that they were to comprehend that the message was good news. Because as I've already stated, that uh, we, it's our, in our nature to share something good. So let's look at, at, at Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 through 20. I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation. I want you to hear this because the, the, word, the term gospel simply means good news. Here's how Luke states it in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 20 in the New Living Translation. It said, and when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news. So what he was doing as he was opening their understanding, he was helping them to understand that this message is a good news message. It's a good news message. So they needed to comprehend that it was good that even though in this message there was a death, there was a suffering and a dying, but the message in and of itself was good news. Verse 19, and that, and, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them, the scripture you have heard has been fulfilled this very day. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news. Now there's a point of focus here because I want you to understand 
that good news is only understood to be good news when we are acquainted with bad news. Good news is only good as we understand what bad news is. That's, if we look back at verse 46 in this 24th chapter, look what he says. He says, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and here it is, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. That is the bad news. The bad news is that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. The bad news is that the wages of sin is death. So the good news only becomes good news of God's saving grace when we understand that we have a sin debt that has to be paid. So he says, repentance and remission of sins. That's the bad news, that all of us have a sin debt that we do not have the capacity to pay. And that the blessing of the good news of Christ is that he came and paid the debt. He came and covered what we could not cover. Recently, we, were, uh, we, were, we traveled to a visit with family. And as we sat there at the table, it was a very nice restaurant. I'm sure you, some of you have heard of this little place called Papa Do's. I've heard Pastor reference it a few times. I'm getting acquainted with it since we've been here. So we're there, and so, you know, I've got, it's five of us. And so I've got my wife and children, and, you know, my son goes in there, and he, he's looking at the menu, the adult menu. They got a kid's menu with coloring on the back. But he notices that there's a term that he's familiar with, lobster. So, Dad, I'd like to get the lobster. I said, son, not today. This won't be a lobster day for you. But as we were sitting there, and we went through the process of ordering, they brought our food, we consumed it, and the waitress came around, I told her I'll take my bill, and I noticed that she never came back. And so then we started to prepare, I said, well, I, I'm waiting for my bill. And my nephew said, don't worry about it, Uncle. I've already paid the price. See, the thing was, it only, that was only good news to me because I had a bill. And once we understand that Christ has come to redeem us and to remit our sins and to cover us as we repent, then the good news of the gospel becomes good news. The problem is, anymore, we're not talking about sin. We, when we talk about the message of Christ, we talk about his love. We talk about his grace. We even talk about his forgiveness. But we don't necessarily speak enough about our condition. Because here's the thing that's happening far too often. We are sharing the gospel message without sharing repentance and remission of sin. Because it only becomes good news when I'm acquainted with the, the bad news. Here's how this works. We, all, we knew, uh, here's a term that we've used often, and we knew this uh, based upon certain standards. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off track. 
Anyone ever said that? I'm a little off track. I, I, I got off track. I was my first, first semester in, in college. I got there, and, and I was like, man, I'm getting off track. But here's the thing. If we don't lay down a track, how do we know when we've gotten off track? If no one is saying, here is what sin is, and then I understand when I'm off track. Because the message becomes good when I understand that I'm a sinner in need of saving. And I can only receive that salvation through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's our next focus. Christ the messenger and his witnesses. Let's look at verse 46, chapter 24, 24, verse 46 and 40 through 48. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. The choir was singing that you should be a witness. If you have good news and something good to share, you should be a witness. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, we have what's called the Great Commission, the commission of God saying, hey, I want you to go do something. I want to read that for you. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I know when we think about that passage, we think that it's encompassing or encompassing only us going and telling. So we declare today we should be a witness. Our lesson for the month is, can I get a witness? But I want to point out something that, that Jesus says. He says, go make disciples. Go make disciples. See, a message that does not include the fact that there is a sacrifice that is made when I come into relationship with Christ is one that will be devoid of my understanding that I'm going to have to give up something to follow Jesus. So here's the thing, our third note for the day, that God, when he spoke to Christ to tell us to go make disciples, he was proclaiming to us to go make disciples, not go gather confessors. He says, go, therefore, make disciples. Here at Amity, our focus is to make or develop committed followers of Christ. However, oftentimes the the, the objective is simply to get someone to confess. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Amen. That's scripture. But Jesus, when he declared to the disciples, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, deny himself, take up his cross, and Follow me, because here's the reality. Any one of us here can become a church member of any church 
hit America, simply come down front or text and say, hey, I confess. But the reality is he's saying, I'm not looking for you to say something. I'm looking for you to be something. Go make disciples. With that in mind, turn, if you would, to James. James chapter 2. I want you to see something here because James helps us to understand uh, or expound upon what Jesus meant when he says, follow me. James chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 18, 19, and verse 20. Here's what it says. It says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God and you do well. He says, but even demons believe and tremble. Do you, do you, but do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Here's what he's saying. James is saying that faith has corresponding actions that follow. If I say that I am one of those who've come into relationship with Jesus Christ, there's going to be actions that will follow. I will become his witness and not just speak of his witness. So here's the thing. If you think about it from this perspective, when you declare that you are something, whether, whatever that is, a hobby you have, I'll declare that I'm a fisherman. I enjoy fishing. I wouldn't say that I'm the best at it because most times I don't catch anything. And I enjoy being out there trying even when I don't. Now, I will say this. I, 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 let me restate that. I like fishing. I love catching. That's what I love. But, the, but, but in order for me to declare that I am a fisherman, I have to fish. At some point, I took up golfing. And, and let me just say this. Um, I don't know if I want to, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this because I don't know that I can say that I took it up. Because here's how it came about. A gentleman uh, at the office was selling some clubs for $25. I got a whole set and had the whole bag. I went out golfing a couple times with, with my cousins, and they were much better, and so I didn't do well, and so uh, they were, I didn't, I didn't, I've always been athletic, so I didn't like playing a sport where I couldn't at least compete. So here's what would happen. We're out there, and I'm out there hacking away. And so they're sitting in the golf cart, so you know what, we're going to give you that hole. After the 10th bogey, they said, listen, just get in the cart. We're going to pull off. But I didn't like that. So I stopped golfing. So when someone asks me, do you golf? I say, I used to go out and hack. But I've never really been a golfer. Because ultimately, whatever you declare or believe yourself to be, there's going to be some actions that will follow yeah. that declaration. Right. 
So because of, of, of Christ having called us and compelled us to go make disciples, we'll, we'll turn our attention now to our final focus for the day. Christ and his witnesses. We need to go back to chapter 24 of St. Luke in verse 48 and 49. Here's what he says. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you have endued, been endued with power from on high. Here's a note that I want you to, to, to really listen in. And if you don't take anything else from this message, I want you to take this. Our primary calling is to be a witness. And that calling, everything else, every other calling you sense in your life is secondary to that calling. And here's how we can declare that, because here's what Jesus said in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be my what? Wit that's it. So even though I'm called to preaching, I'm called to pastoring, my primary call is to be a witness. And here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Sometimes we get the title and the gifting and the calling, and then we forget that we're still supposed to exhibit Christ. That's how we can have pastors who are found in scandal. That's how we can find those in hotels getting high with prostitutes. Why? Because the calling is there, but they forgot that all other calling is secondary to being a witness. Jesus said, you're going to be one thing when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will be my witnesses. It is our primary responsibility. The question we have to ask ourselves, how well am I carrying my witness? When I'm on my job, when I'm in the grocery store, when I'm amongst friends, am I, am I concerned about what I'm exhibiting? Am I exhibiting Christ in this moment? I've got another story I want to tell because this one, I think, is, is, is kind of funny, but it had serious implications. So we pulled into a gas station. And, and you know, when you pull into a gas station and they have the stacked pumps, and there's one here and one here. So it's, it, it's a courtesy for you to pull, to the, pull forward to the furthest one so that someone else can pull up behind you. So we pull in. Nobody's there at the time, so I just stop at the first pump. I'm getting out of the car. A lady pulls up, and she's laying on the horn, motioning for me to pull up to the next pump. And so notice, I, I, I'm just getting out, so I've still, I got one leg out and one leg in. And I say, what is this woman doing? My wife said, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> she already saw that, 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 that one part coming up that, that, that shouldn't come up. Because I wanted to find out why she blowing on the horn when I don't have to move. So I, I, I relent. That was the Holy Spirit saying, uh, pause, edit before you speak. So I, I go ahead, I get back in, I pull forward, I get out. And guess what happens, LeVette? As I walk around the back of the car, I, I remember that on 
the Lysa plate was the church's name. And wait a minute, because she would be standing there pumping gas, she would have plenty of time to read very carefully the church website, the church name, and then she would wonder, wonder if that gentleman goes to that church. And then maybe visit the website to see, hey, I'm curious about what kind of church that is. And as I stood at the pump humbly, I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, because... I want to make certain that the witness of Christ is evident even at the gas pump. Here's the last note for the day. We'll be done. Believers are called to be Christ's living epistles. Living epistles. You've heard this said kind of in a, in a, a cliche tone that... Uh, we are the only Bible that someone may see. And that is actually scriptural. Turn, if you would, before we close today to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Paul here is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he's trying to, he's, he's accommodating himself by saying, listen, you guys are the fruit of our labor. We've been preaching, we've taught, we've been there helping you. And he says, you are our epistles. But he, he, he corrects that by saying, listen, he says, you're, you're as though we, we're, we're writing letters to the world. That, that Christ, when he comes into our hearts and he begins his work in us and causes us to become more like him and reflective of him, it's as though he is writing a letter to the world. Here's what he says. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from, from you. You are our epistles written in our hearts, known, here it is, and read by all men. He says God, when he draws us into this fellowship and begins to teach us and we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, we become as though he's still writing letters and sending them out. Recently, my wife wrote me a letter. It was for Father's Day, and it blessed me. It was the best gift I could have gotten. She wrote a letter of how, you know, I won't tell you what it said. It was my letter. My letter. But I will say that the letter was a good letter. It blessed me. But here's the thing. In the letter, she spoke of that which she was experiencing in being my wife and watching me be the father of her children. That letter impacted me. It made me want to go and do something special. I wanted to take them out for ice cream, brother Drum. I was like, hey, let's get some ice cream. You want ice cream? What you want, son? You want ice cream? You want to put candy on top? Candy, candy on that. You want syrup, some chocolate syrup, honey? Get, put syrup on there too. Why? Because it compelled me because the letter impacted me. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. See, if God is writing letters through us to the world, he's trying to impact the world through us. And here he says, you clearly you are Christ's epistles. 
that when Christ exhibits himself through us, it blesses someone. I'm loaded with stories today. I've got one last one. And I'm not doing this to try to build myself up. I'm just trying to give you an example. So that same trip to Houston, we had just got there, Pastor Lara, just got checked into the hotel. Met up with my nephew. We were excited. We go to pull out. And a, a gentleman sideswipes the back of the, car, the truck. And they lifted it up. So I get out. Everybody's in a panic. My daughter's like, Daddy, you got to pull up. You got to pull up. I, I got it. Hold on for a second. I go out and I look. And the car is all scarred up. His fender's bent. And I say to him, I said, sir, you didn't see me? He said, no, I was looking at the, the, I was trying to pull into this spot, and I didn't really look over here, so I just, he was speeding through the parking lot. Now, the first thing I thought to myself, we're supposed to be here having a good time. <laughs> we just got checked in. Just backing out to go get something to eat. So I said, do you have insurance? He said, yes. I took my phone out to take a picture. And then he began to tell me how he had been in the hotel since February. That in the storm, he had lost everything. And he's, his family had been staying there, and he'd been having difficulty with his insurance company. And at that moment, my wife had gotten out. She's standing there, and we're prayerful about what to do. And as he went to give me his insurance card, I said, you know what? You already have plenty of problems with your insurance right now. I'm not going to worry about it. Yes, oh, Lord Jesus. Could somebody said, oh, oh yes, because I was thinking as I got in the car, I, said, I don't know how much it's going to cost to fix. <laughs> but let me show you God's blessing. Because we were there all week, I would see him often. And I would say, hey, John, how's it coming with your with your insurance claim. One day he told me, he says, I got it, the contractor's coming out, and they, they approved me for 175, but the cost is 225. He said, I've got $75,000 difference. I said, hey, just, we, we, just know we're praying for you. I checked with him a couple of days later. I said, John, how's it go? How'd it go there? They said, well, you know, um, they came out, but they're giving me a new adjuster, and I think I'm gonna get, get a better uh, appraisal this time. The last day we were sitting in the lobby, and I inquired one last time. I said, we're going to be checking out tomorrow. So I just want, I'm praying for you that everything works out because I can only imagine what that would be like living here since February. He looked at me and he said to me, he said, God bless you, brother. And I want to thank you for everything you've done for me. Now, I bring that up as, an, a, point, as a point because if we are God's witnesses, that at some point we're going to be in a position where we're going to have to do as the choir said, stand up and be one. In the midst of all that you're going on, and we have some times where we're stressed and strained. But if we always stay tuned to the fact that we are called to be witnesses, in Jerusalem, that's at home. 
that's not putting on church, church face, get our badge, a little badge and come and be good church folks. That's Jerusalem's home, Judea, that's your extended family, your cousins, nieces, nephews, grandmama and them. Samaria, those that you may not care for. You don't prefer these type of people. And to the far-reaching parts of the earth. That's no matter where. You're taking a trip to Greece, you're a witness. You're going down to the Bahamas, you are a... You're flying over to Australia to scuba dive on the barrier reef, you are a... If you happen to have enough money to get on uh, one of these billionaires' flights to, the, to space, you <laughs> will still be out in space as a... Why? Because our primary calling is to be a witness. We're Christ's living epistles. So finally, let me say this. The redeeming, saving, life-transforming message of Christ, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection... It is the power of God unto salvation. I'm going to turn to a passage of scripture that's very familiar to all of us. John chapter 3, verse 16. But I want to show you something today, because oftentimes we, we read John 3, 16 as the gospel message. But it is the rest of the verses that help us to understand the message that Jesus was conveying. John chapter 3, verse 16. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. He who believes... In him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, and this is condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Here, verse 20 and 21. For everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Verse 21. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deed may be clearly seen and that they've been done in God. See, the beauty and the blessing of the good news that we have and the great opportunity we have to not just speak God's witness, but to actually be his witness, is that God loved the world enough that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And even though we're talking about Seeing and, 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 and the catchphrase today is, don't judge me. But the reality is, God is the one who set the standard. And through his standard, we understand what sin is. 
But Jesus didn't come to just show us that we were sinners and to condemn us. He came that we might be saved. Today, someone is here, either here in the audience or watching online, and you hearing this message of God's love demonstrated in Christ, but that it is condemning yourself to not accept this love, to not embrace this message. But now your heart is being stirred, and you're saying, I want to be a witness. I want to be a first-hand, first-person witness, an eyewitness of what Jesus is able to do because of what he's done in me. Would you stand to your feet, everyone here? And if you're watching us, just know that we're, we're reaching out and extending this opportunity. We're offering this opportunity to accept Jesus Christ, knowing that the wages of sin is death, that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But here's how this message is so wonderfully placed. It declares that the wages of sin is death, conjunction, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You can turn from trusting yourself and believing, hey, I'm a pretty good person. I try to do things the right way and realize that no matter how good on your best day, there still will be a need for you to embrace and accept your sins being remitted through the, through the cross of Christ. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you right now. And God, we're asking today because you're called us, you compelled us to be your witnesses. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not, you didn't send your son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God, you're calling us and compelling us. Someone here today, Lord, you're stirring their heart. And if you're, if you're praying with us and you feel nervous or anxious right now, that very well may be the Holy Spirit prompting you and saying, this is your moment, this is your time to turn from trusting in the confidence of your own flesh and, and, and embrace wholeheartedly the message of the cross. We pray now, God, every obstacle, every hindrance that's in someone's way, that they would then now make the decision. We thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're watching us online and you have made a decision to accept Christ, would you text salvation to 469 809-1177 and someone will respond to you and answer your questions. If you're here today in this audience and you've made a decision for Christ and you'd like to come forward to make that known and proclaim that to the world, we invite you to come down right down front that at this moment and at this time it would be known that what you've done in your heart can be made manifest and declared to all others that I am one of those who desire 